Welcome back to State of Emergency. I'm Peter Schorsch here with my better half, my my working wife, uh, Jared Moskowitz, former <clears throat> director of the Division of Emergency Management. Jared, good morning. Good morning. As your working wife, I don't put out either. <laughs> I am, uh, you know, I had we had Twitter spaces last night with Kevin Kate and about, I don't know, like about 160 other people, this little like like kind of live podcast thing. And it went for like two hours and I don't, I didn't know it was possible, but you can get hung over from, from enjoying Twitter spaces too much. I think this is the, the metaverse Mark Zuckerberg is, uh, wants to happen. I mean, I am just totally jealous with envy that you spent two hours in a Twitter space. I mean, what, <laughs> how can I live your life? <laughs> Well, I will say I'm down here in beautiful Venice, Joe Gruder's territory, um, for a horse show for Ella Joyce. So there isn't a lot going on. Um, there's not a lot going on in Venice overall. Um, so I, you know, I didn't miss much. Um, it was a busy week in Flawpole. Uh, it just never slows down. We are going to have kind of the woman of the hour with us uh, to talk about. Uh, what she has endured over the last week, Senator Tina Polsky. Um, she has been in not just the, the Florida news, but making national appearances for a dust up that she got in with the Surgeon General, whose last name is unpronounceable to me. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna rehash that, right, Jared? We're gonna we're gonna look forward, be forward thinking this morning. Yeah, I mean, I look uh, ultimately. Uh, Tina uh, has Senator Polsky's has has had more than the 15 minutes. And so I don't think we really need to tell that story. I think it's more interesting to kind of to, to get maybe into a, the, the broader issue. Uh, you know, maybe there's parts of the story we haven't heard or don't know. I mean, you know, listen, I'm I'm the wrong person to talk to about this because, you know, look, I in, in July of last year, I didn't publicize it during the height of the pandemic. Uh, you know, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer uh, and I didn't publicize it because I didn't want people to use it as an excuse um, uh, if something didn't go right at the division. Uh, and so, you know, between, uh, you know, the first lady, her news, you know, Senator Polsky and her news, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm just I, I'm filled with anger over over cancer, quite frankly, like we had a pandemic like a global pandemic, and we're able to get a vaccine within a year, yet, you know, we got people every day in our lives, friends, uh, fighting cancer of all different stages of all different types. And I, sometimes I just feel like we're not making the progress we need to be making there. So. Well, that is, uh, that's heavy stuff. I almost wonder, you know, you are kind of looking for your next, um, the next phase of your career. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, is Jared Moscow, I mean, I don't want to say it's the moonshot project, but is that something, I mean, why don't you put your, you know, your organizational talents and things like that to, to work in that field in a way, you know what I mean? Like you've done that, you've done the politics, you probably will return there and you, you succeeded really well at the emergency management. And I know that you continue in that, but I, I wonder if like the organizational strength that you have, you know, not to butter you up, like, could you be in charge of a, I don't want to say a Moffitt center. That's maybe a little bit ambitious, but like a, 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 a center or something in, a, in the academic setting, maybe to push forward on some research or something like that. Do you have any inter interest in that? Well, I mean, listen, I mean, I, I want to recognize, look, I'm, I'm 
Johnny come lately to the cancer fight, mainly until it affected my family in, 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 a, in a huge way. You know, one of the things that I uh, was very hopeful with the Biden administration because of his loss as well, and the good work he's already done in cancer. I mean, Joe Biden has done a tremendous amount of work already there. But my, my hope uh, for this administration in the four years is that even if we did nothing politically, that we, uh, because of all just the fighting that's going on, we would make some real progress because the Biden would commit the dollars necessary uh, to help uh, attack uh, this disease. Uh, and so, look, I, I don't know, Peter. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I got I, I was thrown into Parkland. Uh, I then decided to become the director of Division of Emergency Management and got the pandemic. So I don't know if that's the next phase of my life. I'm 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 dealing with it now every day. I'm in the fight uh, every day, just like Senator Polsky is, just like the first lady is, um, you know, because it's not just the person going through it. It's their entire family that it affects. Um, and it just it just sucks uh, uh, because you you, you 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 there's only so many tools uh, in the toolbox. And I feel like more and more people we know. Uh, whether it's in your own family, your extended family, your neighbor, more and more people we know are getting cancer. Uh, and it just feels like if we don't, if we don't get ahead uh, of this, I mean, you know, th th this is going to be uh, one of the greatest uh, mistakes that we've made is to not invest the resources necessary uh, to help, uh, uh, you know, start curing some of these different types of cancer. Well, uh, that's a heck of an intro. Why don't we uh, uh, bring on Senator Polsky. Uh, Senator Tina Polsky, thank you for joining us. Um, it, we, and not to be on a somber note, but you kind of rocketed into the world about 10 days ago, um, really with, you know, you, you had reached out and, and to our reporter, Christine Sexton, and, and to us, and we were... I guess, blessed to tell a very difficult story, which is your diagnosis with breast cancer. Um, so I want to start there and, and ask, how are you doing? Hi, Peter. Hi, Jared. Um, thanks so much for having me. I actually have been a fan of your show and have watched all of them or listened to all of them. So thanks for having me on. Um, I am doing okay. Uh, actually, we scheduled this around um, of radiation treatment that I have later today. Um, the first one hit me a little bit harder than I thought. And then I was, it passed and I was okay. I'm a little concerned because I know that it can be cumulative. And so, you know, I might have a, a rough uh, couple weeks ahead of me. Um, I'm getting treatment next week, so I won't be in Tallahassee, but, you know, I'm expecting to go back for the next committee week and, you know, be fine for session. Um, you know, this whole publicity thing, is not what I was seeking, but it's kind of been a distraction from the fact that I have cancer and I'm trying just very hard to not focus on that. Um, luckily for me, it is stage one and it is very curable. And, you know, to, to go off of what Jared said, I know there are certain cancers, I'm not sure what kind his dad has, but like pancreatic ovarian, they're very difficult to treat because you get it so late. Um, there has been so much progress made in breast cancer. And the fact that mine was diagnosed early is a testament to mammograms and ultrasounds. And the treatment I'm getting, a cyber knife, is 
you know, the, the state of the art, partial radiation. So the least amount of damage, hopefully, and, you know, really very curable. So I'm very confident in my prognosis and my future. And I know I'll be monitored very closely going forward. So, you know, I'm just really trying to stay positive and focus on that couple rough next weeks, next couple weeks, and then I should be okay. Well, that's fantastic news, obviously. Um, and, you know, you know, one of your closest friends, obviously, in the Senate, um, you know, also uh, had breast cancer. And thankfully, she was okay uh, as well. You know, one of the things that, you know, that I've been just thinking about, uh, you know, about cancer in general is it, I, 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 maybe it's because I'm getting older, perhaps, but I just feel like I know more people. Uh, getting cancer, like it feels like it's getting more prevalent, even if even if some of them are more treatable than others. I mean, do, do you do you do you sense that or am I off base? No, I sense that, too. I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 53. So it's definitely happening more and more. You know, we're also kind of that sandwich generation, which I know you're feeling. And my dad passed of lung cancer um, last year. So I'm certainly very familiar with that whole process. And it's, um, yes, I do feel that way. And, you know, I wonder if there's something in Tallahassee, I don't know what's going on. Cause it's just sort of strange that I came to Tallahassee the same time the DeSantis's did, and we got it around the same time. She's a lot younger, so I hope she's going to be okay. Sometimes it's more aggressive and younger women. Um, and, so it, I do know a lot of people have gone through it, especially since I made the announcement. So many people told me they had, but people told me they had it 20 years ago and they're totally fine or five years ago and they're fine. So, you know, I definitely feel very optimistic, but yeah, I, I don't know if the cancer rates are up. I don't know the statistics, but there is a big fear that people put off their diagnostic tests during the pandemic and that, you know, we could be getting an onslaught of later stage cancers as a result. Well, no, there's no doubt about that. And people who already had cancer, unfortunately, some of their treatments uh, were affected uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. I want to talk about one aspect that uh, I think uh, is, a, is an undertone. So obviously, when the story came out, uh, obviously, there were people who supported you. Uh, but I'm sure, obviously, there were plenty of people uh, that opposed you getting all the political hate mail. Um, I heard you say this on one of the shows, and I, I want to highlight it because I think it's important. Uh, and I also haven't heard anyone come out and and talk about how despicable it is. But that is, is that, uh, you know, as soon as uh, you were attacked, a lot of those attacks turned anti-Semitic. Um, I mean, what's the story there? Well, I wouldn't say a lot. Um, we got some really heavy phone calls over the weekend in my district office. And um, one of them called a few times in a row and by the last call said something like, oh, you're Jewish. That explains it and went into a whole rant. And there was some kind of threatening message. Now, uh, my aides tried to protect me. Maybe, from that. maybe we can give that phone number to Randy Fine. And he can call <laughs> that person back. That's a great point. Um, we are reporting into ADL because they have a uh, extremism group that they kind of keep track of these things. And we have this person's phone number. We did send it to the sergeant's office. We took some more precautions in the district office. Um, so, you know, that was one aspect of it. I can't say that's been the overwhelming, um, you know, response is anti-Semitic. It was just that one that I'm aware of, but I did turn off Twitter notifications. 
So um, I don't know if there's more out there that I'm not aware of. Um, there were some other people who left messages like, you know, you should die of your cancer. Um, while I was on a show. I think so those people week. are not supporters of yours. <laughs> I'm not so sure. Maybe I could turn them, Jared. I don't know. I, I can be very charming when I want to be. Um, but that, that, that does bring up an interesting point that I want to I want to get a hold of here, because you step forward here on this issue. And now you with subsequent things have happened, uh, not to yada, yada, yada. But this was supposed to be a story about your breast cancer diagnosis. I mean, that's what you and Christine talked about. And then I feel and then it turned into this other thing with um, with the Surgeon General. I feel like that's being lost in a way. Like I, I, I feel like I want to like just go back and like repost the original story that Christine wrote and just like, hey, there's a human being here. This is what's important. <laughs> not, not, you know, should somebody wear a mask or not? That's secondary. And I don't even, you know, like, I'll be honest, like I'm still infuriated with the governor's comments on Thursday. Um, he was asked about uh, the inner, the exchange between you two. And again, it's where I find so much fault with Ron DeSantis is just complete lack of empathy. Even if he wanted to stand up for the Surgeon General, which he did, um, you know, the first thing he should have done is said, you know, all right, before I get into this, I do want to take a moment and acknowledge Senator Polsky's condition. And like um, and I ask all Floridians to pray for her, my wife and the thousands of women um, who who are you know diagnosed with breast cancer each year. I am amazed that there isn't any of that out of the DeSantis world yet. Um, this is a breast cancer awareness month. The first lady obviously has it. I don't know why. I don't know why it wasn't the message of the week, so to speak, the message of the month. Instead, we've gone into suing everybody. And I just feel like all of this is being lost. The human beings, you, the first lady, all of the thousands of other women with breast cancer, Instead, we're, we're, we're sitting here talking about Republican versus Democrat again. I couldn't agree with you more. I was really upset to see, I was sitting in a delegation meeting yesterday and heard about his uh, comment, the DeSantis's defense. And that struck me as well, of course. And I mentioned that earlier in the week in some of these interviews, you know, people said, have you heard from the governor? I said, no, not even, you know, there was only about 24 hours maybe between the initial announcement about the breast cancer and Christine's article. And then the second one coming out about my interaction with the Surgeon General. But even in that prior time, you know, there was nothing coming from his office and nothing since. And what particularly offended me in DeSantis's comments yesterday was he never mentioned my name. He didn't even say she, and he didn't even say the senator. He said they, and as if I'm part of this conspiracy to take him or the Surgeon General down. And he talked about pictures of me without a mask and that he gave me other accommodations. That's all that he said. And then he pivoted completely to the political nature of the Surgeon General's opinions and his directives. And right, so let's break that down uh, yeah. because it's important. And and Jared and I talked beforehand. Uh, we really don't want to belabor the original part of the story. You, but just, just to catch everybody up, you had an exchange with the Surgeon General. He came to your office to meet with you, basically to discuss his confirmation. Y you asked him to wear a mask 
Uh, he did not. He had his legislative aides. They did not. He was, in your words, smug about it. Uh, and then he had a kind of a rejoinder on the way out about how he likes to try to reason with unreasonable people for fun. Um, he had asked if he, if you guys can meet outside. You said you wanted to sit in your office and meet with him. Um, and since that time, Senate, Senate President Wilton Simpson has commented extensively in two different occasions about how he does not like the treatment of a senator. Um, most of your colleagues have rallied around you. There are still some people that have not said anything one way or the other. And if you want to see, if you want to read more about that, there's been extensive reporting on that. We want to talk about what's happened since then. And so we go to Thursday, the governor's comments. I want to break down one part just so that we can be clear about it. So the other side, and I can't believe there is an other side to this, um, says you were pictured with other senators without a mask, specifically Chevron Jones. I think you're in a legislative committee meeting at about that time. What do you say to your critics? I mean, and again, I, I joked about it on Twitter. How dare you, you know, get breast. I mean, I, I got to commend you for getting breast cancer as a way to trap the Surgeon General you've never met before. Um, it's a wily coyote kind of plan right there. But what do you say to those arguments, including the governors that, you know, you were pictured um, with other people not wearing a mask and that you haven't been consistent on insisting other people wear a mask around you? Um, so first of all, uh, your tweets have been on fire, Peter, and I really enjoyed them. So thank you for that. Um, so the, you know, it's easy to like kind of defend each and every one and uh, not that there's so many, but I'll, I'm happy to do that. But the over overarching issue is this, he didn't respect my wishes. It's my office. I have a sign out front, please wear a mask. I have masks available. And you know, the offices up there, they're pretty small. We'd be sitting around in a circle and chairs and a couch. There would have been five or six of us in a room and it's not six feet apart. And so in my office, I have a very strict rule and I've been hundred percent compliant in my office. I don't know who everybody comes in, you know, there's dozens and dozens of meetings. I don't ask anyone their vaccine status. Um, and, and no one has ever had a problem with that. So what happens when the story comes out? People go through the Florida channel. They find, you know, go through hours of tape to find me in a committee meeting. They find, um, you know, I posted a picture on Chev Jones' birthday. I also picture, posted a picture of um, Senator Book. It was her birthday too, but that was an old picture. So, you know, my response to specific pictures of me without a mask is, I've only not worn masks or had other people not wear masks when I know that they're fully vaccinated and I feel safe around them. And I get to decide what's safe and what's comfortable for me, not anyone else. And the Surgeon General had no idea about that when he came into my office. And that's not what it's about. It's about coming to my space and respecting my wishes. And his accommodation was to go outside. It's not like I'm on the bottom floor and we could just pop outside to a lovely patio um, and to talk in the hallway. That's ridiculous. You know what the hallways are like. That doesn't solve the problem. Um, he should have simply respected my wishes and that's really all that it's about. And, you know, pictures of me, they found pictures of me outside at an event. None of those matter. I asked for a simple request. He wanted to meet with me. He didn't respect my wishes. And that's all that it's about. And I'm not uncomfortable with other times that I've taken off my mask. Um, that's up to me to decide my comfort level, not him and certainly not the governor. You know, it's it. 
So this has been going on for for a long time, and obviously this is one incident, but th- there's just some something going on in in politics that just it just defies logic. So, you know, one of the things that I didn't understand when the whole mask thing happened, you know, uh, uh, over a year ago where people, you know, started debating, you know, masks and started using, you know, Nazi fascism language because they had to wear a mask, which completely is totally ridiculous. Uh, Comparing mask wearing to people being thrown in ovens uh, is, is just despicable. And that's been, uh, you know, roundly criticized by, by both sides, but, you know, in the state of Florida, we have mandatory keyword mandatory hurricane evacuations in this state, and have been having mandatory hurricane evacuations in this state, where we tell you you have to leave your home, your castle, your your most expensive investment for most families, and no one was going around quoting the Federalist Papers when when we were doing that. Um, you, you know. You, you can't go into a doctor's office or into a into a professional's office and you see these signs on on the doors that say no tank tops, no flip flops. No one's outside saying, how dare you uh, disrespect my freedom to wear a tank top and flip flops shoes. I don't want to wear closed toe shoes that inhibits my freedom, my walking ability. We we have just gotten stupid, quite frankly. I agree. Uh, <laughs> you bring up a, Jared. You bring up a very. Uh, so I've I spoke like to, we live with these things every day. Like there are these things every day, and, and like the go, fact that go back like, to your original part, which is that we live in this like stupid era. Like there is an alternate universe here where Tina Polsky discloses she has breast cancer and. This story about her interaction with the Surgeon General gets out. And then within hours, a statement is put out by the governor's office in which the Surgeon General said, apologizes for not respecting the wishes of a state senator. He gets in his dig about, I have alternate views on mask wearing, and I look forward to discussing them further with the senator, blah, blah, blah. But I was in the wrong by not respecting her wishes. And I wish her the best in her treatment. This story then goes away within 36 hours. You know, there's a little bit of um, of of hullabaloo, maybe at his confirmation, but he sails on through. We are not in that universe. We are in a universe where the reaction to people, especially on the right hand side and specifically people who uh, are attached to the governor's office, whether they be very whether they be staff themselves or like adjacent to the communications office people, they then, these people then start calling Wilton Simpson a rhino, a Republican in name only, and criticizing Wilton Simpson for standing up for Tina Polsky, which is where I came in. And I'm like, if you think that Wilton Simpson is a rhino, you're talking about a guy who is, of the three people that are running for state office on the Republican side, he's the only one that's endorsed by Trump. He's the most conservative Senate president that they've probably ever had, um, at least in the modern Republican era. And these people, so they decided that after Tina Polsky did this, they were going to attack her for, they were going to, like she said, sit through and watch hours of the Florida Channel for to get a gotcha on the capitalist 
um, and they were going to attack Wilton Simpson. And then they were going to do, as you say, other people were going to attack her on with anti-Semitic comments. They everybody went. They put on their jerseys instead of again. This is, and I'm we're talking about you like you're not here, but this is a woman who just got diagnosed with breast cancer. And the first lady just got diagnosed. Why are we not focusing on that? Not us, but why is the process? Well, Peter, th- not this is th- this is this is a, 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 an incident. This is a tree in the, the forest of what is happening. Twitter has become real life. The behavior that is on Twitter, where people feel comfortable to exhibit that sort of stuff behind a phone, it's now real. It is now real life. It pervades all politics. It isn't reserved just for one side. Okay. And uh, we are eating our own. I don't need to sit here and defend how conservative Wilton Simpson is, by the way. I don't know that helps him that I would say how conservative Wilton Simpson is. But this idea, this idea that you have to be a hundred percenter at all times. And if you make a statement about decency, and now you're a 99.9 percenter. We don't want you anymore. It is happening everywhere in politics. This bubble politic mentality where we can't even talk to each other now, where we feel like the enemy isn't across the pond, but the enemy is sitting next to me. We're in our circles. We only associate with people that are like minded. And when we get into these interactions now, it, we can't associate. We don't know anything about each other. We don't care about each other. We, have, we, we just don't care. We don't. We don't care about if you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican, what's happening now is when, when something bad happens, uh, we don't care if it's the other side. And in fact, when the moments that happen, like seeing the governor and Joe Biden sitting together at Surfside, or, 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 or see people rally around the first lady when, when, when the news of her diagnosis comes out. When those good moments happen, we're, we're thankful for those moments because they're so far and few between. And so this incident that happened is not a microcosm. It is a macro of what is happening in politics. So maybe I could just be uh, bring a little light to this because you're really freaking me out, Jared, and making me very sad. Um, you know, I, I kind of see it a little bit differently because I'm getting so much incoming. And so I'm getting so many letters of support. Emails. All from Democrats, Tina. Well, it's no, all- no, some, but some people have written to me specifically said, I'm a Republican. I can't, and maybe they're not in Florida. I don't no, know. No, they're a rhino now, Tina. No, uh, Sabatini they, thinks they're a rhino because well, they wrote you a letter. First of all, Sabatini, that's a badge of honor that I'm a left wing. My fault, job, Peter, according he, to him. Well, my fault. He who shall not be named. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my blood is, I mean, I, 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 it's only 930 and I feel like I, I've got to go in and, uh, get my blood pressure uh i'm gonna try to take this i'm gonna take this down a notch so yeah it's a badge of honor that uh he who shall not be named named me that was exciting uh he's the only elected official by the way who has come out against me at least publicly that i've seen so i've been getting a bunch of letters from people who said i'm a republican i support you this is terrible what happened so that you know makes me feel good um i actually kind of take it the other way that this is a good moment for most of us because I'm really happy that Wilton Simpson supported me 
you know, we've known each other for a year. I've, you know, just completed my first year as a state senator. And there's a lot of respect and professionalism in the Senate. And he exudes that. And he was teaching that to us, the freshman senators, all of us. He would had all these orientations for us. And he really drilled into us the Senate as a body and how important it is. And his love for the Senate, I think, is what came through in the first memo. And then when he backed it up saying, you know, where are the manners? So I think there is some hope for decency and some bipartisanship. Now, as session goes on, you know, we'll see what happens with that. And I don't know what's going to happen with this confirmation, but it's not all so terrible. There's a lot of terrible and I've been getting some awful statements, but there are some good moments. And I think my Republican colleagues support me, except for, you know, one percent. Wilton is an absolute mensch. What what uh, rallying around you, the diagnosis in the Senate, uh, it was a total classy move. And if you know Wilton a long time uh, and I know, Tina, you disagree with Wilton a lot, nine out of 10 times, maybe on policy issues. If you know Wilton and you know him well, you know him as a as a good, uh, decent person. And so I, I agree with you that that uh, those are bright spots. My point my overall point is, is that those are, that's no longer the rule. It's the exception. And that's Agreed. what's happening. And that's what's yeah. happening. That's what's happening more and more is that these bright spots, these moments are moments and they are now the exception. The rule is um, to, to act to, to it's what's happening in politics is Twitter behavior, regardless of what side you're on Twitter. It's behavior performative. It's performative. Yeah. And it's being rewarded. It's being rewarded, Peter. If people think this is going to get better, they're wrong. It's going to get worse because it's being rewarded. Well, you're the one who you were making fun of my Twitter spaces earlier. And now you're actually proving my point that Twitter is real life. And (laughs) so it all comes full circle. I want to uh, I want to ask Tina Polsky one last question. We're going to let you go so that Jared and I can argue about who's smarter. Um, and I always lose that argument, but, um, you've got a little bit of a platform right now, a little bit of, uh, tumbleweed, you know, work in, in your favor. What are you going to be beyond your health issues? What are you looking to do over the next, um, you know, the next two months before session? And then obviously the 60 days of session, what's, what should we be looking for out of you and your office, um, in the near future? So with respect to, you know, kind of right now, uh, one of the reasons, and I told this to Christine and and she reported it perfectly, that, you know, I really want to use my platform to talk about early detection mammograms. Mine was detected, you know, less than a year from my prior mammogram. And younger women under the age of 40 who are not supposed to be getting mammograms have no tools. They have to do self-exams. And if they feel anything suspicious, they have to go to their doctor right away and then they can get the tests. But it's really on them. And it's really unfortunate that that is, you know, the situation. I'm not really sure how to change it. I'm going to see if there's anything we can do legislatively, but I don't really think that's the case. So I'm just trying to raise awareness about that. And that's one of the reasons why I did come out with uh, my story, my diagnosis. Um, I am 
feeling very strongly that I have to use my platform to talk about how unqualified and dangerous um, the Surgeon General is. And I do not want to see him confirmed. And I, I hope that he doesn't stay in for two years without being confirmed and then just quietly slides away because that's too long a time for him to be on um, in this position. I don't like what he's done already, having nothing to do with me. And, you know, there's another big looming issue we all have kids. Your, your guys' kids are, are younger than mine. Uh, but childhood vaccines are not keeping track with how they're supposed to regular routine exam, uh, excuse me, regular routine vaccines. And we're going to have a crisis on our hands. And imagine if we have a measles outbreak or something like that. How is this person going to manage it? But the anti-vax conversation is becoming so problematic for routine um, pediatric vaccines. So that's something we have to really keep on top of. Um, you know, once I get to session, we start talking about my bills. You know, I've got 20, 25 bills in the works. Uh, you know, I'm always working on gun safety. I've got three bills this year on that. Um, I've got some election bills. I think a really important issue is these special elections and the failure to schedule them within the proper amount of time. That I don't know, maybe a million people are going to be unrepresented during this legislative session because we didn't set these special elections for the House and the Senate. Um, so there's there's a lot on my plate. You know, I think some I have two bills up next week. Some will be heard. Uh, most will not be. But I will continue to fight the good fight. Uh, there's going to be a lot of defense going on with respect to redistricting, with respect to abortion. Um, you know, I hear they're bringing back trying to talk about you know, transgender stuff again. Um, talking about, um, you know, expanding Medicaid, you know, all of this falls into healthcare and taking care of people and being kind and good. And I'm just going to do my best to, you know, keep amplifying these important issues. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, these are all things that we're you know, concerned with. And if you need any help uh, on being on raising awareness, please let us know. And if you need help on um, being a Democrat that, you know, you know, tries to bring awareness to things, but really doesn't get a lot done in the legislature. Jared has a lot of experience with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that is that my reputation? Is it? <laughs> um, no. I got Republicans to vote for gun control, Peter. You know what was so crazy about that, by the way? Um, uh, I was there was an article in the uh, I was thinking about it. We can talk about this in a second. But there was a article in the I think the one of the panhandle newspapers, there was the Santa Rosa County legislative delegation. And so it's like three people, Jared or uh, Jared Williamson, Alex Andrade, and then Doug Broxson. And they basically ran Doug Broxson out of the meeting for his support of that bill. And that's now what that'll be three sessions ago, starting with this one. But those people are, are still incensed about that. And they, I mean, they were screaming at him. Um, and you talk about how the politics has turned. There's a guy, Doug Broxson, as red meat Republican as there is. And he is not, you know, he's going to be labeled a rhino by Monday. Uh, but according to, you know, you, you the it's a different world in Santa Rosa County than it is in South Florida. I get that everybody has different viewpoints, but they're still on that issue that the one bill that we did something on that issue um, he's being criticized for it. So that was interesting. All right, Senator Polsky, we're going to let you go. Good luck today. Um, I, I can't believe you accommodated, you moved your treatment around for this podcast. Um, we appreciate that very much. 
thank you for everything you've done over the last two weeks. And we look forward to having you back on um, State of Emergency in the uh, during the session. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Jared. I just want to leave with one uh, word. And Jared, if you want to fill him in, um, I know you guys sometimes throw a little Yiddish around. So I'm going to give you the word Rachmanis. And that's really what we're missing, compassion, feeling for other people. And uh, if the Surgeon General had a little Rachmanis, it wouldn't be a story. So um, a good one to talk about and to leave you with. And we'll do thank a whole podcast on Yiddish. We will do a whole podcast on Yiddish. <laughs> really confuse the people in Tallahassee. It's important, though. They expresses ourselves so well, don't you think? Uh, I think the people in Tallahassee will look at you even weirder if you start <laughs> using more Yiddish. That's what I think. I promise you I'm going to use a Yiddish word on the floor this year. Keep an eye out on it. Well, that's what the Google is for. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, take care. Bye-bye. All right, Jared. I'm going to give us credit. That was as good in an interview as we've done. Like, we, we definitely, like, it was like 80s wrestling style. We tagged in clean. Um, we didn't get off on too many tangents. Uh, and we didn't make the interview about us. So I'm, I'm really proud of us. Well, good. Well, good. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and Tina, are you still there? I mean, I want to thank you for. No, I think she's off. She's off. Okay. Yeah. So no, uh, we're still live here. This is the podcast still going forward. That was, oh. that was content right there. Oh, so you're, you're the, you want to put on the content, content, patting ourselves on the back. <laughs> I mean, that's what people come. I mean, isn't that part of our, our, our shtick? I mean, for you, absolutely, one hundred percent. I'm I'm more quiet and humble. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't like it. I don't like the attention. Right. When I do right. when I do something good, I don't want anyone to know about it. I mean, you, I, I, I you. <laughs> how many media interviews have you ever turned down in your life? Like, let me just ask you that: Is there one that you've actually like? You don't have to do them all. Is what I would say to you. Like, if a reporter calls, you don't have to say. Yes, I'm available. I'll come meet you right now. Where are you at? Um, yes, I can drive there. Like, have you ever have you ever worked in that kind of um, resistance? Yes, I think I turned down the Lincoln, Nebraska Gazette once. <laughs> uh, all right, so um, let's uh, let's talk about some issues du jour. As we, uh, I still love that we haven't figured out the format for this podcast. I love that every week it's like, all right, let's do rapid fire. Let's do. Um, you know, number one, I do. I will say, just patting ourselves on the back, like the fact that you helped get Jay Trumbull. Like, people have never actually heard his voice uh, on a podcast before. Like, it, that was. I've gotten more feedback on that one that we were actually able to get Jay, Representative Trumbull, excuse me, Appropriations Chair, one of the most powerful people in this legislature. Um, it was, you know, it like Ronnie Book is still trying to figure out how he can take that audio clip. Uh, where he, where Trumbull complimented him and like send that out to his 300 clients. Um, but I got a lot of feedback on that one. So I want to give you credit on, uh, on your booking skills as well. Well, I mean, listen, I, I, I say this in general because it's true, right? And it goes back to what I said previously. There's a lot of good people that I served with. We voted against each other all the time. Uh, but their, their moms, their dads, their parents, Right. I mean, they're 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 good people. I might think they're wrong, uh, but that doesn't mean you can't figure out how to be friends with them. And that is that is disappearing, not just in politics. It's disappearing in neighborhoods. It's disappearing in towns. 
Uh, we know we only want to associate with like-minded people because people who are not like-minded, they're not wrong, they're bad. Uh, and, and, you know, it, politics is in everything now, everything. It just, there's not like one, like, give me one thing right now, Peter, that you're like, oh, thank God that's not political. Like, I, what, what I, I, you really, I mean, I could come up with something, I guess, but I don't think that they're, I, I don't think that, I mean, I don't know if it's pandemic politics um, or the pandemic that's caused it, but there isn't like everything. I, I want to confess, I'm, I'm very scared by it. Like I, like I actually have a little bit of anxiety, like genuine anxiety, you know, like I've told people like, you know, like we hired security for election night in uh, 2020, just because it's not like, you know, anybody like I'm anything to get, but like, if Trump had decidedly lost or if Trump had maybe like won, I was like, hey, I was the guy, you know, I had people flicking us off because we had, you know, a Black Lives Matter banner at our house. And I'm thinking, you know, if somebody's like pissed that Trump lost and there's just some random act and I'm the publisher of Florida politics and, you know, people in my neighborhood kind of know that. And I'm and we have a like we live in that kind of community where there's just a lot of Trump, you know, boat flags and stuff like that. And I just, I was, I'm, I'm a little scared by all of it. I don't want to talk politics all of the time. Peter, things, and like I said, I, I think that it's just keeps, that train has left the station and it keeps moving. A lot of people thought, oh, when Joe Biden got elected, maybe it would, it would, it would snap back a little bit. Not only is it not snap back, but it's just, it that, that train is continuing down the track. Here's how crazy things are right now. And I'll give some local, some national stuff, but uh, three stories that just stick out in my mind of just how crazy things are. One, we got Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith, one of the most progressive members uh, uh, in Tallahassee, if not the most, the second most progressive member, talking about corporate freedom. I mean, it's bizarro world. The Democrats in Tallahassee, I mean, they literally can't pass... Every bill that they've drafted, they like on infrastructure, they can't pass. I mean, this is like crazy. They control all of government and we can't pass a bill on roads. Uh, Fox News, Tucker Carlson is running a segment on January 6th in which people on that segment call it a false flag event. I, I mean, bring up, I want to I want to comment when you talked about that. That is amazing to me because. The, the opposite of this, you know, Ron DeSantis goes to, and I'm not beating up on Ron DeSantis always, but he went to the F Future of Florida uh, forum held by the Florida Chamber, sponsored by pretty much all of the Fortune 1000 companies that we have in Florida, from Disney, uh, Mosaic, uh, you know, et cetera. And he went in there and said, no one likes corporations and no one likes woke corporations. And basically, you know, uh, went over to someone's house and stole their remote control. I mean, he basically was just, a, you know, insulted all of them. And I get there is a divide inside the Republican Party between corporatism and the libertarian wing. But he, I mean, he went and told them nobody likes them. And I, I, you bring up CGS. It is weird that these, it's very weird that we live in a, in a CGS. Uh, he's got a He's got a moniker. I mean, I mean, MBS has a moniker and that didn't go well for him. I mean, but I, I wow. I, wow. I think uh, I think he's trying to do like an AOC thing. But um, 
Wow. Yeah, I can't believe you threw out an MBS reference. That is so the Jewish side of you where it's just. It is. I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter. You should. I think somebody just did a report on on MBS about what kind of lunatic he really is. Um, But it's just interesting that CGS is the one putting out pro-business legislation and Ron DeSantis, the Republican, is telling the Florida Chamber to basically go screw it or the members of the Florida Chamber to go screw itself. Well, that is an example. What you just said has the pandemic changed politics. There's many of them, but but let me tell you something. I think corporations are soon are soon going to be the odd man out. Democrats are hitting them on are on certain issues, and now the Republicans are going to go hit them on other issues. I think Governor DeSantis is actually the future of the Republican position on what's happening with corporations. I don't think that's an outlier, and I don't think it's just a wing. I think well, that- it's a win. Jared, it's a win. I mean- Well, it's I, soon I, gonna be the whole house. It's not just gonna be the wing, I promise. Well, that, I will- That like, is moving. You talk to, you go talk to Republicans who feel like they're Reagan Republicans, um, and they will tell you that when they go to Republican meetings uh, of the county parties, that the mentality has completely changed among the base of the party. It is no longer we want government out of our lives. We want less government. We want less government spending. Those were things you could count on the Republican Party. Maybe I didn't agree with it, but you could count on small government from them. You could count on government out of our lives and you could count on less spending. Those three pillars are gone. Uh, and I think the pandemic has that is definitely an effect of the pandemic. Well, and I, I will say, I think in a way, some of the Republicans are right here when like the attacks on big tech, on Amazon, on Facebook, et cetera. And, you know, like I thought it was weird that they were attacked. I'm like, why are we why are we against Facebook? Like this is two or three years ago. Now, as we are coming to see it and, you know, the, the Facebook papers came out over the last week. And they're just they're must read revelatory about just, you know, that it's basically a, a, a nation state level actor um, basically corroding our global society. Um, the Republicans are right. And if, it, if they're I mean, I don't think going after I don't know. Twi- I mean, but see, like Twitter isn't that, you know, Twitter tries to act good, but it's only because I agree with it that I think they act good. Facebook is, I mean, they are they are a very dangerous company right now. And so Ron DeSantis attacking Facebook, Donald Trump attacking Facebook, they may be on the right side of the issue there. They are on the right side of the issue. I mean, there's things, obviously, uh, uh, that, you know, Trump has attacked Twitter or Facebook for that I think he's wrong on. But on the broader big tech issue on how much control they can have and do have to manipulate understanding and messaging, they are right. They're a hundred percent right. Um, it is weird. Um, for me, like I've been uh, long story short, I used to, I, I did these lectures for a state department outfit called, um, world partners, uh, based in St. Pete, really good group. Very like, just like one of these, like genuine, like do gooder, uh, it was like backed by uh, Gus Stavros and they would bring in real genuine, like high level leaders from around the world. They would go to New York, San Francisco. And for some reason they came to Tampa Bay and they would do a, like a journalism leg in Tampa Bay because pointers here and there's other stuff going on. And so 
they would invite me. This is, I don't know why, but I would talk to them about blogging and what it was like. And these were like the editors of like the new Delhi times. And I remember there was a, a young woman who was like the, she was the biggest radio personality in, in free Afghanistan. There was like security experts from, um, from, from NATO. And again, I don't know why they were listening to me, but part of my spiel, as we would talk about social media, and this is 12, 13 years ago is Listen, Facebook is very different for, you know, the United States than it is for the rest of the world, you know, because we look at like Facebook for if you are in Africa, you are not there for photos because you're that's not what you're you're not your community. You, you have never traveled outside of the 50 miles of your village um, and you're not in inter- you don't need to use Facebook to stay in touch with your grandmother because she lives with you. Americans were using Facebook differently. And this is during the Arab Spring and everything like that. They were using Facebook for politics. And we saw what that brought on with the Arab Spring and then with the Ukraine and with Iran and et cetera. And now it is clearly here. We have a Pandora's box um, that I don't know that we know how to undo at this point where, you know, where the value is five times more to be angry than it is to be happy. And I just... I don't know. I want to go back to Facebook. Where well, I know I just... when the seminal moment happened, by the way. Please. Of okay, course. The, the, of course. Seminal, the seminal moment happened. Do you know how not... to spell seminal? Because I don't. Uh, it, well, listen, it doesn't <laughs> matter anymore because if I spell it and I tell you that's how I spell it, now it's a fact. Um, <laughs> but, but I know when it happened. See, I joined the Facebook when I migrated over from MySpace and my life was great. And then they let my mom on Facebook and they let grandmas on Facebook. And after that, Facebook wasn't the same for me anymore. Okay. It wasn't the same. It was, it was a nice protected space where I could interact with my friends. And now anything I put on Facebook, it necessitates a call from my parents. Oh, you went to that restaurant last night. What did you have for dinner? If I wanted to have that conversation, I would have told them I went to that restaurant and I had spaghetti. That's when everything has ruined for me from Facebook and it's gone downhill. But I don't know that we can call it Facebook anymore. I think it's the uh, social media site formerly known as Facebook and now is known as, uh, was it Meta World Peace? Is that what they're going for? Well, Meta is the overall company. And it is like, I actually, I, I give Zuckerberg credit because he basically has learned a lesson from Bill Gates. Like Microsoft was at the top of the game in the nineties, et cetera. They got involved with the antitrust, uh, not involved. They were sued under antitrust and Gates got distracted and he basically never caught up in, in social. Zuckerberg is got all the money in the world and knows he is not worried about what's going on with Facebook's role in, 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 you know, civil unrest throughout the world. He's looking forward. What is it going to be like in 10 years? And I will say, I think he's right that we are going to go to a virtual, like, you know, we were joking at the top of this pod that, you know, we did a Twitter spaces. Um, That's going to happen. You know, in two years, you and I are going to be meeting virtually. Um, We're, you know, you're going to be taller. I'm going to be thinner. And we are going to have this podcast. You know, why do I need to be, why do I need to be taller? Is there something I'm unaware of? Uh, um, how do you spell? I will have you know when I have to sit in the middle seat in life, it comes in handy. 
the children's seat? Is that what it is? <laughs> I have migrated out of the children's seat. I will have you know. I bet you it's a lot easier not having to always get first class like I do, where you're just like, hey, can I get the... Um, can I get well, it's not it's not easier standard? when you have to buy a suit. I can tell you, I have to have suits made because I'm in between. I think a child's large and an adult small. So, my suits are twice as expensive because I have to get you know 25 percent more fabric. So, by um, the way, that's actually a pet peeve of mine. For 30 seconds, let's diverge. Okay, I've always wondered why on the rack the small shirt is the same price as the extra large shirt. Tell me why it should be the same price. Well, I only know that like double extra large is not the same price. So if you have to go to a different store for that. But when I go into a regular <laughs> store, when I go into a regular store, the extra small on that rack is the same price as the extra large. Are what are they really just admitting to us that the fabric is irrelevant? There's no cost and you're just paying for the brand because that's I mean, it, it shouldn't be the same price. How can it be the same price? I it, listen. These are questions I ask all the this time. This is a problem only small people think of because we're angry that we're paying the same amount of money. See, I look at it like again, like I, I like the fact it, it's an incentive for me to lose weight so that I can <laughs> save. Like, because the only the, the polos that I like are Tommy Bahama, and they make like a they may, they do a trick where they do two XB and two X, and two X is for tall people. Um, and so just this whole thing. And then, but I look at the prices, I'm like, wait a second, I'm paying 99 for a polo. They're paying 79. Um, and so that, um, yeah, justice. That's a- it, it's justice. All right. I want to get to two last issues before we close out. Uh, one is that, uh, this week, I think we had, you know, some fireworks, although maybe it's fireworks that nobody heard or saw, because I, I still think the Democratic primary is very under the radar. Uh, but it looks like we had our first fireworks between Nikki and Charlie. Uh, Charlie being asked about his new positions on uh, marijuana's new plan, which is a good plan. Uh, and uh, Nikki firing back, basically saying, you know, don't compliment me. You know, you're late to the party. You passed laws that, you know, were on the other side of this when you were governor. It's, I think, the first uh, hard hit from her onto onto Charlie and on her turf, because I mean, look, you know, she's she's been earlier on the marijuana issue. I mean, what do you think about it? I actually have to go to your first point, which is I think it was really under the radar. Um, I, I saw the exchange and, you know, I live I live for these exchanges. Um, I mean, you know, you have a site called Florida Politics. You're hoping that there's going to be fireworks between um, the Democratic primary. And I just don't, I didn't see much on it. Um, I, you know, I'll take the default Charlie position. It's, I, it is a little interesting seeing Charlie make this, you know, this big leftward lurch, you know, um, he is vulnerable on this, you know, because he was 20 years ago, he was chain gang Charlie. I'm surprised. I'll be honest. I'm surprised Nikki isn't doing a, a more definitive job trying to bracket him on it maybe more negative on it um it's like she she kind of let him get to this space like if it were me running that campaign the day that he said he was for legalization i would have done like a digital video of you know of charlie on the floor of the florida senate with you know passing the stop act where you know you had to serve 85 percent of your time so i would say to me, it was interesting. Oh, I have no doubt that Kevin Kate is going through the National Archives, uh, putting putting uh, the that uh, three millimeter film together uh, on that for the future. 
But by the way, I mean, I know it's early. I, I know that's an excuse. I know every time we say, well, the election keeps starts earlier. It feels like the election year always starts earlier. The primary seems very under the radar. Uh, right. I mean, is, is that because it really is early? Should it still be under the radar? I mean, I just it just doesn't feel like it's breaking through at all. I think that DeSantis, again, the pandemic changes everything. I think DeSantis, DeSantis, you know, there's two things that two very small micro uh, notes. Like I kind of reported last night that Steve Contorno, the political editor of the Tampa Bay Times, one of the most important positions in political journalism in our state is leaving to go to CNN. He's basically going to just, I don't even know if he's going to be on air as much as a reporter, and he's going to track DeSantis, basically DeSantis going into 2022 and an expected run in 24. Um, and the big rumor in Tallahassee is that the Washington Post is sending, um, is going to set up a bureau or some sort of, you know, uh, outfit in Tallahassee to track DeSantis. And DeSantis just, he just eats up a lot of oxygen, um, you know, the the daily press conference we're going to sue biden and then follow it up with the you know appearances on fox news that that takes a lot of energy out of out of the the democrats and i don't know that chris and nikki have the you know the bandwidth i mean all they can really do at that point is kind of respond to whatever desantis said and at that point desantis has won so i think the problem for the democratic primary is that the Republican nominee seems to be dominating. Well, let, let's actually go to the, the particular issue, because that was actually my second question, which is, you know, the, the governor has called for a special session. They're suing the Biden administration. But I want to go to the issue, which is, do you think you should lose your job over not wanting to get a vaccine? Um, and, and, you know, I, I think you know, there are there are areas where I think that could be true in a hospital where you could get someone sick uh, in a nursing home, in an ALF, the most vulnerable among us, um, uh, it, you know, susceptible to COVID-19. I think those are our examples where, you know, we probably should only have vaccinated people working in those facilities, especially now, still, while COVID uh, is 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 not you know in the rearview mirror, uh, but I mean if you're just if you work at the mall, if you work at Radio Shack or Blockbuster, the last one, uh, but if you if you work just in regular society, you work in an office, you're sh- and you don't want to get vaccinated, should you be fired because of that? I mean, what do you th- what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't think anybody cares what my thoughts are. I mean, I think they care what you as Mr. You know, Jared Maskowitz, what do you think? I mean, honestly, because I, I think I know where you're going here. I mean, if for my only opinion on this is I don't I think I think the vaccine. I, mandate I, have, was- I mean, Peter, I, I, I have a problem with ruining people's lives because they don't want to get vaccinated. I mean, I, I have a, I have an issue. I have a problem with people ruining my life because they're not vaccinated. I mean, and because we have a pandemic, um, you know, that, I mean, I get, I, I get where you're going. I just, you know, I don't like, I don't understand the vaccine hesitancy. I mean, we use it at, um, we, we, we vaccinate for so much in, at the school level already. Um, I don't, I, the only reason why we are hesitant is because the 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 orange man is, ha, did not did not fully embrace. It. If Donald Trump had went, got, rolled up his sleeve and got a vaccine shot on 
national television, none of this would be happening. And, would and, be- re- and reminded people that this was his vaccine. Remember that? Right. Yeah, well, um, he may he may have actually if, if then you get so many people vaccinated, the pandemic doesn't get out of control the way it does. He, he may still be president. And so I don't know. Maybe I'm happy that 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 worked out that way. But this is, again, going. But you're not uncomfortable. This. Listen, you're totally right. I want people to be per, I want personal responsibility. I want people to be responsible. I want them to get vaccinated because unvaccinated people can hurt people who are vaccinated and being responsible. Let's make that clear. But you're not at all at all slightly uncomfortable with the fact that that we're going to have mass firings of people because they're not vaccinated. I I mean, of course, I'm uncomfortable with it um, because I I don't like the way our healthcare system in this country is set up where it's where the employer is even involved in it. Like, you know, the the idea that you get your health care insurance from your employer is, you know, a 60 year old idea where, you know, and it was used so that we could so that big factories and companies could, attra- you know, attract workers. It's an outdated, you know, it's an outdated framework, but we're stuck with it right now. Not only that, these people are going to get fired. Some of them are going to wind up on some government assistance. I mean, it's just it's a it, it's such a listen, we got to be doing everything we can to get people vaccinated. I did everything I could. So are you against the vaccine mandate? Because that is going to be the nugget there. You know, here as we close the show, are you basically against Joe Biden's vaccine mandate? No, I'm for I'm for the vaccine mandate. I support the vaccine mandate. Uh, what I what I don't support is 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 letting people go in society, letting them go, uh, firing them. I think there are areas in which you have to be vaccinated to work in because it's a specific sort of job, right? hospitals, nursing homes, teachers, ALFs, you work in a specific area, right? You're working around kids that aren't vaccinated yet because it wasn't available. You're working around old people. You're working around people in a hospital who, who are immunocompromised or sick. You must be vaccinated in those areas because that is a immediate threat to those people's health. Clear. But the idea that we're going to roll that out everywhere, everywhere, basically, that if you're not vaccinated, you can be fired. I just... Uh, Peter, that uh, I struggle with that because I know what's going on in this country. There are so many people being left behind in this economy. Go look at the stock market. It's at record highs. When you're going into a store and you can't find stuff on the shelf, does it feel like the stock market should be at record highs? Like when you see people who've been left behind in industry, right, who haven't been retrained, right, you go to towns that are ghost towns that have been forgotten or run down. These areas have been left behind. I love that you keep bringing up the concept of towns. Like you're like that, like you live in Oklahoma or something like that. Like when have you been in a town that isn't a, you know, Del Boca Vista gated subdivision? Hey, look, I spent, I spent the first, you know, six months of the being the director in, in the panhandle. So, um, well, look, I think people want to believe they live in neighborhoods and live in towns because it has feeling of community. Um, no, and I think you're right. Like I will say, and I, I'm totally. I, 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 this isn't like I'm not there on this issue, but we we have like three economies right now. We have like some sort of like 1850s economy. We have some sort of 1930s depression economy, and we have some sort of 2030 like tech economy. And it's all operating inside of one country. And yes, that is what is 
probably and, at the root of all of this. And right now, now and now we're going to put thousands of people into unemployment. I just I'm not saying I don't understand it. I'm not saying I don't understand how important the vaccine is, but I also can be uncomfortable with laying people off. Well, you should be. Uh, I mean, and that's what makes you a good leader is that you do have that sense of empathy. All right. I've got to go do some horse some horse uh, show. All right. So I'll bring it in. This has been the episode uh, of State of Emergency with my host, Peter, and me, Jared, as the co-host. Peter's got to go do a bunch of bullshit with his horse. <laughs> it's No, I'm going with my daughter. No, I know. <laughs> Listen, cherish that stuff. That's that's the that's the best stuff. That's what gets you through. That's the stuff that gets you through the day of all the other bullshit we have to deal with, quite frankly. That's true. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you to Tina Polsky. Um, all right, Jared, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter.